Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. Johnny Depp has a potty mouth. Walmart movies. YouTube TV. Time to get rid of that. Sony has a wearable air conditioner. Amazon sending 3,000 satellites into orbit. The Apple Watch is going to have a blood oxygen monitoring sensor. And in our faith section, we talk about the importance of doing hard things. All this and more coming up on today's episode. Well, I imagine for those of you who don't follow us on our social media, we're wondering what happened to the podcast. Did Kurt already hang up the towel and put an end to this thing, this new podcast that started a few months back? Well, again, for those of you who don't follow us, we have taken a few weeks off, and in part that was because I was interviewing for a new job in another state, so I had to be focused on that, as you might imagine. And then my dad's in town, so there's just a lot of things going, and summer is just that season where there's so many different things on the calendar. You'd think you have a lot more free time in summer than other times of the year, but it just seems like the schedule is flipped on its head, and there's just so many things going on. So I announced there on social media that we're going to take a little break through the summer, and so I'm going to try to throw out episodes here throughout the rest of the month here, August, but I just don't know how consistent they probably won't be each week. So yeah, it's a good time to remind you of our social media. So we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page and a Reddit page all at cultured Christians, plural. So the way to remember it, to me it's pretty simple, but a lot of people get confused, is this is the Cultured Christian Podcast. I'm the Cultured Christian. You're listening to my voice. This is me putting out something into the universe here. But on our socials, it's more you. It's community-focused, so it's plural. It's Cultured Christians. It's you guys. It's the audience. And so if you go to Instagram, punch in cultured Christians. If you go to our Facebook page, it should be just cultured Christians and then on Reddit as well, cultured Christians. And so that's a great place to hear about announcements regarding the podcast. It's a great way for you to interact with us. Let us know what you think of an episode. Uh, We just asked recently for some topic ideas. We're always looking for interaction from you, the listener. So take that opportunity and follow us on our social media so that you know about things like summer breaks and what's going on with the podcast. How many of you remember Captain Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on where you're from? Uh, I recently watched a few of those movies again and just remembered how fun they are. And, you know, it's easily the movie that most people think of when they think of Johnny Depp. Or maybe you think of, if you're older, you think of Edward Scissorhands, another weird movie if you're younger to check out. But uh, last month, Johnny Depp was in a British court and he was testifying about his wife. They have, you know, uh, I'm sorry, his ex-wife. They have an ongoing case, a little bit of a feud. But what made the headline this day, what made it interesting, was that he claimed that she allegedly pooped in his bed, their bed, 
took pictures of it and sent it to him on his phone. Yeah, gross. And what in the world is going on with this woman pooping in the bed? Uh, but what was funny to me is that in court, the term Amber Turd and Amber in the Dumps is what this woman became known as by Johnny Depp. And so it sounds like there's a feud going back to 2018 when there was an article about how Johnny Depp is a wife beater, which he vehemently de denied and claims his wife is a sociopath. So, yeah, not really cool article here for Johnny Depp, regardless. You're marrying someone who's pooping in your bed intentionally. It would be one thing if she had that accidental problem, but it was uh, definitely purposeful, according to this uh, article. And I guess it stems from something to do. One of the disagreements they had or one of the things they fought over was their dog and their two terriers, Yorkshire terriers, had problem with toilet habits so it seems like that was kind of where the um poop in the bed idea came from so i don't know that was a page six article i thought it was interesting i did laugh i don't know if you're laughing or you're grossed out it's probably healthy to have a little bit of a little bit of both but uh yeah amber turd that's what johnny depp uh referred to his ex-wife as this past week, I tweeted a photo of a movie theater with a huge empty parking lot. I was having dinner with a friend in a restaurant that was adjacent to the movie theater and shared the parking lot. And as I drove by, I just felt sad. I, I always feel sad when I see these huge movie theater parking lots just empty, like it's, you know, Christmas Day or Thanksgiving Day, these typical days that, you know, you would have seen empty parking lots at a movie theater. But as with this pandemic now, it's been, what, six months almost, five months of empty gym parking lots, empty movie parking lots. And uh, I just love going to the movies. I miss the whole experience. I mean, it's it's one thing to watch movies at home and I have a decent TV and, and stereo and stuff. But man, there's nothing like going to dinner and then going out to the movies, in my opinion. And I definitely miss that. And so I, I saw an article that made me uh, smile, made me think that, you know, this is one of the ways that America is great in the sense that businesses and people um, pivot and they learn ways to create new business and move people in a new direction. We have done that throughout our whole history. And I don't know if you heard about this, but Walmart is going to transform some of their parking lots, 160 of them as of this article. They're aiming for 160 of their store parking lots into uh, movie, drive-in movies. They're going to set up a screen and you'll pull up your car and you can watch uh, movies out there in a Walmart parking lot. And they even tweeted that they're going to do car side popcorn and beverage service. So you'll still be able to get your buttery popcorn and pop and you'll be able to sit there and I assume listen through a radio station, your, uh, get the audio through there. And so this is supposed to start this month. The month of August and October is what they're planning on doing. And yeah, I don't know what you guys think about that. I'm kind of excited. I think it's, uh, again, a very creative way to get movies back into our culture. 
and still do it in a safe manner that people aren't uh, close to each other, even though I still think theaters, especially with online ticketing, could open and people could still be safe. Uh, so it's kind of, again, sad. And really, ultimately, let's be real, the only movie that I'm excited about this summer because it feels like it's the only movie is Christopher Nolan's Tenant. And we've talked about that on the podcast before. It keeps getting pushed back because he's a smart guy and knows that it really was created for the big screen. It wasn't created for your television screen, however big that is. It's made for seeing in a theater with the big stereo speakers all around you and the massive screen. And so I'm glad that he's holding out for that. But I'm bummed because it just seems to continue to extend into we have no idea when theaters are going to open. So good on Walmart. It'll be interesting to see. What do you guys think? Will you check out a movie screening at a Walmart parking lot anytime soon? I mean, that you can dress up like you normally do when you go into a Walmart. You can just wear your pajamas or, you know, whatever crazy stuff you wear in Walmart. You can wear that in your car now and watch movies in a Walmart parking lot starting this month. How many of you out there still have cable television? I mean, this goes back again to my childhood when my mom's house didn't have cable, dad's house did have cable, and it's one of those luxuries that Americans have paid for and paid most, most of the time a premium to have those better channels, more options, 24-7 news, news channels. And I, uh, many years ago now, probably six or seven years ago, cut the cord. Like many of you, I said, hey, this is too expensive. I can live without cable television. It's definitely not a need. It's a want. And so I cut the cable years ago. And then I realized there were a few live shows that I wanted to watch. I didn't want to wait till it was on demand. However, time, you know, length of time they make you wait for that. I didn't want to wait. And so, you know, it was mainly The Walking Dead at the time. I was hugely into that. Every Sunday night, had to watch The Walking Dead. And then the other shows, I think, was uh, Shark Tank was another one that I just wanted to watch every week. And so I started looking for some alternatives. You know, there's a lot of streaming services now that aren't technically cable, but they come through your internet. And uh, back at the, at the time, YouTube TV came out. And I was like, okay, what's this cost? And it was only $34.99. And you got like basic cable channels. What was extremely cool about it is you could have it on any device. So you had one account and you could watch it across your iPad, your phones, Android phones, uh, iOS phones. You could watch it on your TV through a streaming app. And it was really, really cool. But here's the bonus. The bonus was that I learned that you could share with up to five people, as long as you were in the same geographic area, you could share that with five other people. Just like you guys, most of us share Netflix and Hulu and you know other streaming uh, apps. We share our passwords and you know multiple people can log in. Well, this whole cable package basically you could share with family and friends and then if you're really smart you could share the cost so my sister and i were having the cost you know she would pay 17 i would pay 17 boom like that's cheap cable television and then i gave it to a few of my friends we kind of traded you know he had netflix so i gave him youtube tv and vice versa we kind of switched it switched back and forth as a trade so that worked out great for a few years but 
as things have been moving in that direction, so more and more people moving away from cable, all of these other options, these streaming options for cable TV basically have been going up. And YouTube TV, they raised it up to, I believe, $39.99. Then it went to uh, $45 or $49. And just in the last month, they raised YouTube TV up to $64.99. Like, my mouth dropped. I was like, what in the world? And they're doing this thing where they're adding channels. And so they're like, oh, we added these five, six channels. So that's why we're raising this price. And I'm like, well, first off, I didn't want those channels. Secondly, you could give us the option. You could say to add these channels, you have to raise your price. Or I think the last option, which to me is the no brainer, is make this new price for new people, new activations, new people who sign up. Don't make it you know for everybody who's already a member like grandfather us in like most companies will be like okay these people are paying this price and now our new customers but no they decided that every single person is going to be raised up to this level on i think it was you know the middle of july you basically at your next billing date and so i did what i assume a lot of people did and i canceled i said nope we're not going to keep going up 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 in pricing so put an end to that and part of it is it's summer, right? I'm not watching as much TV. I'd already kind of shared that with my sister that like, hey, it's summer. I'm not watching TV. We can do, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these other apps. We don't need to have live uh, television right now and we'll kind of revisit it in the fall. So I don't know. Are you guys on YouTube TV? Did you guys cut that, cancel that uh, app once you found out the price went way up what do you guys think about the whole cable versus streaming right now we kind of unfortunately are in this in between where we're still kind of figuring out where this is going to land but I think like most people we're always looking for the cheapest price because it is a luxury it isn't something in our lives that we need like water and food and housing you know cable is one of those things that yeah we shrug our shoulders we'd like to have it but we don't have to have it and so for me, YouTube TV, big thumbs down. Once you raise the price to a certain level, it's just, I, I can't imagine they haven't had thousands of people uh, drop the app here. Starting off in tech this week, we have another device from the great people in Japan. Have you heard about this personal air conditioner? Yeah, Japan, like a lot of places in summer, gets really humid and really hot. And so Sony developed a device called a Rion Pocket. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. It's R-E-O-N. And basically, this is one of those devices that sits against your skin. They say in the writing that it's best on your neck, right behind your head, below your head on the neck there, at your shoulder blades. And basically, it cools your blood, and then your blood circulates throughout your body, thus cooling your entire body. And so this article over at The Verge, there was a guy who got a chance to review it to check it out, and he gives it a positive review, says it actually did cool him down. It's, again, not earth-shattering in the sense that, you know, he was still sweating at the end of his commute, but he said that it definitely brought down the temperature. They say in their... Uh, marketing 
that it will drop you your temperature by 13 degrees Celsius. So basically, if you're 96 degrees, it can drop it down to 73 degrees Fahrenheit. So 96 Fahrenheit to 73 degrees Fahrenheit. And the reviewer says that's definitely true at the site, like right on your neck, but obviously the entire body is gonna experience that drastic of uh, bringing down your temperature. And so this looks like a really cool device. I would love to try it out. I'm one of those people that I've always been told from a young age, my mom would say that I run really hot. So I was the kid who was always throwing off my clothes because whatever, temperature it was outside I was just too hot my blood is really warm and so I love the idea of this device it's relatively inexpensive like when I started reading this I thought oh this is gonna be five six hundred dollars but it's actually hundred and twenty two dollars and there's a specific kind of shirt that they're also designing uh, for this device that basically has a pocket up near the top of your undershirt where it would sit on your neck and you'd basically just slide this thing in and it would start the cooling process. So you would need to get a couple of those shirts if you want to wear it properly. But uh, unfortunately, it's only right now in Japan. So you would have to import it into the United States. So that would make the price go up pretty significantly. But $122 for something that this, at least one reviewer is saying, yeah, it definitely cools you down. I think seems like a really good price, especially if you're a person who's outside a lot or commutes in a warm environment. It also uh, has a Bluetooth connection to your iOS or Android phone, so you can control, there's different levels of cooling, and there's also like an auto feature where it can kind of turn on and turn off to help the battery life. And yeah, so it kind of sounds like a cool, cool thing. I'd like to see, uh, I wonder what it'll cost once it gets to the States and it's, you know, on Amazon over here, it might be a little bit more expensive, but uh, yeah, is that something you guys would buy? Would you buy a personal air conditioner? Um, I, I love air conditioning. I'm the guy who's always trying to find the coolest spot to sit in in summer, but um, yeah, so I don't know, kind of a cool piece of tech again, coming out of Sony in Japan. Those of you who've listened to the podcast for any length of time know that we are big space fans here. We love hearing about SpaceX and NASA and all sorts of things going on related to Mars and space exploration. And I read an article recently about Amazon getting into the game. Now, SpaceX, Elon Musk, they have been leading the charge, but not far behind them is Amazon with their space initiatives. And the FCC just approved... Amazon's bid to launch a constellation of 3,200 3, internet satellites. Have you guys heard about this? Like there is this huge ambitious plan between SpaceX and now Amazon, two separate plans, to have thousands upon thousands of low orbit satellites beaming internet down to the earth. Like can you imagine someday getting internet from satellites in outer space? I mean, right now with our mobile phones, and some of you have tablets that connect to cellular services, you know, we kind of experience that where the internet is coming from outside of our home versus connecting to uh, Wi-Fi through our cables and our walls. But this is really going to move internet into a whole nother direction where it will be completely wireless, that we won't have to set up 
you know, a router and pay an internet service provider, you know, like Comcast or Frontier or whatever, that we would go to space and we would be working with a company there. And obviously the benefits on the front end are that you can be living in a rural community in the mountain, the Alps. You could be in the desert. You could be on the top of a mountain in the middle of a valley. You could be basically anywhere on planet Earth. The goal is to increase the map, the internet availability across the world. And so I think it's one of those things that I kind of have mixed feelings about. I mean, as a techie and a space nerd, I think it's awesome. It's really incredible that technology is getting to this place where we're basically going to be able to cover the earth with, um, you know, routers in the sky, basically these, uh, Wi-Fi routers from space are going to be beaming internet down to the earth. So on its surface, it sounds cool. I think my yellow light, my, you know, hesitations are if you've ever had satellite TV, you know, that can be very problematic if it rains, if it's windy, if there's anything between you and the satellite there can be just the slightest deviation and and they've improved it with buffering and there's been some improvements but i don't know i'm still i've never had it myself but you know sitting in a bar or a restaurant watching tv and suddenly it starts pouring and boom all of the tvs go out and it says you know some error message i just that's where i'm like okay what's that going to look like with internet you know you're video gaming you're watching a movie you're facetiming you're whatever what happens when that connection gets interrupted because it seems inevitable right like you're thousands of miles away i don't know that's probably too big of an exaggeration but you're miles away from your router versus it being in your home and so that seems problematic and then the other thing that my mind you know again it brings it up in this article that i'm referring to about all the space junk you know, the more that there is satellites in outer space in orbit around the Earth, you know, I remember the movie Wally. Did you guys see Wally? That was, uh, you know, kind of the extreme example of like just the atmosphere just gets so clouded with satellites and broken satellites and things that have blown up and stuff, just all this garbage and all this metal just floating around the Earth. Uh, I read another article astronomers are nervous because they say that all of these satellites are going to get in the way of being able to see space, being able to see stars and planets that now these satellites, again, once they're, this is just with Amazon's company, but imagine Amazon plus SpaceX. I mean, there's going to be 10,000 satellites before we know it providing internet to the earth which again is a great service, but at what cost? You know, what is the cost, not just financially, but to the environment and to, you know, outer space and all the things, all the potential problems. I think it's one of those things that people can, you know, estimate and try to get an idea of what it's going to be like, but we really don't know. We really don't know because we've not had this sort of thing in low earth orbit. And we won't know until we get there how often there's going to be collisions between satellites and, you know, rockets taking off. How do they get around these things? Just seems like there's going to be a lot of potential for problems. You'll need like an air traffic controller. And again, there's really, really, really smart people working on these problems. So I'm not even, 
beginning to try to think me sitting here in my office can uh, fathom what it's going to be like. But those are just kind of where my mind goes. Uh, you guys think you'll ever be hooking up to a satellite for internet? Like, is that one of those things that just we will definitely feel like we're in the future when we first log into? I don't even know what internet company it'll be. It'll probably be a new company. Amazon Internet or Amazon Prime will include internet now. I don't know. But um, that I, I like the idea of people in rural communities who don't have access to internet. They're going to now have access to internet. I think that's the greatest part of this plan. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that happens uh, in my lifetime, what, what internet will be like. Finally, in our tech section, how many of you own a smartwatch? I know for me, this was one of those technologies that I kind of resisted at first, mainly because of the cost. And it just seemed like, well, I have a phone. I don't really need another thing notifying me of text messages or whatnot. And so I finally gave in. This is back years ago when I had an Android phone and started getting into some of the first Android watches and had, you know, okay experiences. Depending on the watch and the phone, you know, there were some that had errors and, you know, the battery life was terrible. Once I got into iPhones, I tried a few uh, Apple Apple Watch, the second one, I believe, uh, Apple Watch 2. And, you know, I ended up returning it again, mainly because I just felt so guilty about the cost. It was just like when you spend four or five hundred bucks on a watch, to me, it's got to be perfect. And it didn't really fit well on my wrist. And there was just not enough reason for me to want one. And so I went to Fitbit and I had a Fitbit using it primarily for sleep tracking and steps and, you know, basically as a health device. But last year, year before, I got an Apple Watch 4 and I have been loving it. I don't know what it, it was about this time, but I dove in and I'm using it for, again, health, notifications, all sorts of apps, you know, my podcasting app. Now that I'm jogging outdoors, I shared about that in a few episodes here where I go jogging now outside because my gym's still closed. And you can put your podcasts or your music right on the Apple Watch and pair it with your AirPods and basically be wireless, just running, jogging, tracking your, your activity, your workout, and be listening to music all just wirelessly and I just love that and so yeah I'm a huge fan now I've completely drank the Kool-Aid I love the Apple Watch I think that they are really really well made like a lot of the Apple devices it's kind of their thing right you spend a premium but you know you're getting a premium product that's not gonna fail you that's gonna last long and so I'm actually excited this year because my plan this fall is to sell my Apple Watch 4 to a friend, as I often do, make a little bit of money, put that towards upgrading to the new one coming out. So September, October, there's going to be Apple Watch Series 6 coming out. And of course, I'm watching all the leaks and the things coming out, the reports as to what it's going to feature. And I saw one recently that says it's going to have a blood oxygen uh, monitoring sensor. Now, this is something that's on some of the uh, Fitbit devices now but it is coming to Apple according to some leaked code that they found in iOS 14. 
And yeah, so it's saying here on the article, it says Apple will provide notifications when blood oxygen levels drop below a healthy threshold, which is right around 95 to 100% saturation. A drop in blood oxygen level can suggest a serious respiratory or cardiac problem. So yeah, this sounds interesting. I like that the Apple Watch, again, as a health device, it's always tracking my heart rate. You can go into the app on your phone and just see where your uh, heart rate has been at and see if it's going up or down as far as the averages. And I think this blood oxygen level is just going to be another cool step in the direction of the Apple Watch being an essential health device. I love when technology connects with health and helps us to live healthier lives, helps us to be aware of our bodies and what's going on inside that just a few years ago, we didn't have any of this data. We didn't have access to these things. And so I think if we take that information with our doctor, we can really be far better informed at how to live our lives, how to improve our lives uh, from a health perspective. So I'm excited. There's uh, a few other features coming to the Apple Watch, one of which is sleep tracking. I've been using a third-party app to track my sleep on Apple Watch, but it sounds like in the next version there will be sleep tracking. So that'll be another cool uh, feature. Kind of should have been there probably last year or the year before. It's a little. I, I heard it's delayed. It had been delayed. So it sounds like it's actually coming to Series 6. So exciting. Can't wait till fall. Our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. His primary focus is educating individuals and families with the information needed to help with the decision-making process of their financial goals. If you've got some questions that you think Adam could help with, reach out by going to adampeak.com. That's peak with an A. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC, Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116, area code 810-522-8169, or ACPeak at SigmaREP.com. To get started in our faith section this week, I want to share with you a question, a question to kind of get you thinking as we move into our topic today. What is something that you learned from someone younger than you? Younger than you. See, in our society, it's typical that we learn from those older than us, right? Maybe we haven't given this much thought, but we typically learn from people who are older than us, and that makes sense. They've lived longer with that. Hopefully, they gain some wisdom. Some maybe not, but some have got wisdom as they've lived a little longer than us. But I think it's a little short-sighted not to think that we can learn things from those younger than us, those who haven't maybe experienced life as we have. And so it is with a book I read years ago called Do Hard Things. This is by Alex and Brett Harris, who were like 20-year-olds, I believe, at the time when they wrote the book, maybe even a little bit younger, maybe 18, 19. And it makes sense for me, being a former youth pastor, I have learned a bunch from students. When I reflect back on my relationship with students, 
they were often teaching me just as much as I was teaching them. And so this book, Do Hard Things, I read it and really was blown away. It's from 2008. It really is well-written. And it's one of those books that's written to the audience of teenagers. So if you pick it up and you're an adult, you're going to notice the language and the way that they're speaking is directly challenging and to adolescence. But I feel this has a great message for people of any age. This book just speaks to all of us, whatever age or stage. And today I'm going to speak directly to it in relation to our faith, hence the section we're in. So hopefully that will be uh, of help to you. The book has a forward in it, and you're going to recognize this guy. At least I hope you do. Maybe some of you younger ones have not heard of this guy. But the foreword is by none other than Chuck Norris. That's a name you haven't heard about in a while. Chuck Norris does the foreword. And I want to read a quote from Chuck Norris in the foreword because I really think it highlights um, where the book goes and why it's worth your read. So let's go here to the foreword. He says this, he says, Today we live in a culture that promotes comfort, not challenges. Everything is about finding ways to escape hardship, avoid pain, and dodge duty. In the past, young people were expected to make significant contributions to society. Today our culture expects very little from teens, not much more than staying in school and doing a few chores. A sad consequence of such low expectations is that life-changing lessons go unlearned. Man, I mean, that is definitely true of today's teens. And some of you parents are nodding your head right now. That is definitely true for teens today. It's, it's hard not to argue that it's not true also for all of us. How often are you and I seeking the easiest route with the least amount of work? You know, comfort, this idea of comfort in American culture especially can become an idol. Like we just want to be comfortable. We just want our toys and our creature comforts and our favorite restaurants and, you know, all that stuff. But biblically speaking, God doesn't call us to comfort. You don't see God calling us to comfort. The Bible is riddled with examples of God asking people to do crazy things, to get out of their comfort zone. I just want to use four examples here, but there are literally hundreds in the Bible. The first one I want to share is Abraham. Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, the Israelites. God tells Abraham to move to a place he has never been before. He's told that he is going to have a baby in old age, like 90 years old. That's crazy and also gross. But God is asking him to do something that's crazy. Can you imagine God calling you up tomorrow and saying, hey, I want you to move your whole family. Oh, cool. Where are we going? I'll tell you later. You know, like he didn't tell him right away. That took a lot of faith to get up and move into the unknown. And then, of course, we have Noah, perhaps uh, one of the greatest examples of this. Build an ark, Noah. Nowhere near water. Like build this huge ship. Be mocked for it. Be this butt of all jokes. And most scholars reading scripture say that it hadn't even rained on the earth at this point. So not only was there no bodies of water, it had never rained before. And so this idea of needing an ark 
if I was Noah, I would have been like, uh, what's up, God? Like, am I understanding you correctly? And yet he was faithful. He did that. He got out of the uncomfortable. He got uncomfortable. He got out of comfortable space. And then you have Peter, of course, the story of walking on the water. Jesus, in the midst of a storm, tells Peter to climb out of the boat, climb quite literally out of the comfort zone and into the uncomfortable, to do something that is hard, to do something that is impossible. And yet, Peter gets out of the boat. And finally, in my last example today is just the disciples in general. When they're asked to feed over 5,000 men, women, and children with just a few fish and a few pieces of bread. Impossible. Hard things. Challenging. Getting us out of our comfort zone. The problem in our day, I think, is low expectations mixed with constant distractions. It's like on the one hand... Our society keeps lowering the bar. People aren't achieving, lower the bar. People aren't moving in a certain direction in their life, we just lower the bar. We make it really bottom shelf in pretty much every area of our lives. And then we have constant distractions, most of which are connected to the phone in our pockets. We are just tweeting and Instagramming and podcasting and, you know, reading and Instagramming and Pinteresting and, you know, I'm trying to think of all these terms um, just TikToking and doing all these things. There's just always so much more coming at us through social media. We just have constant, constant distractions. I want to read this uh, passage from the book. Page 39 of the book says, It's almost gotten to the point that people expect less of teenagers than they do of toddlers. Think about it. Why do babies with inferior motor skills, reasoning ability, and physical strength experience nearly 100% success in overcoming difficult challenges while teens often falter? Well, one is expected and the other is not. Why does every healthy baby learn to walk while while few teenagers have learned to dance? One is expected, the other is not. Why does every healthy baby come overcome communication barriers by learning to talk? Well, very few teenagers overcome barriers between themselves and their parents by learning to communicate. One is expected, the other is not. The truth is that all of us are susceptible to low expectations. Once we've satisfied the minimum requirements, we tend to stop pushing ourselves. We tend to stop pushing ourselves when we meet the minimum requirements. And so I ask you, the listener, can you think of a time recently where you stopped something? You stopped the motion, the forward motion, because you had met the minimum requirement? What if you hadn't? What if you pressed through that low expectation? What if you set the distractions aside and you kept going? See, I often wonder, I'm, I'm haunted at times over the course of my life, how many opportunities, how many relationships I missed out on simply because of fear, simply because I was distracted. I played another video game. I watched another movie. I loaded another social media site, and I missed out on an opportunity to meet someone new, to do something I've never done. And it's also good to consider the times that you pushed past your fear. Think about the opposite. Think about the times where you actually did 
pushed that back and got out of your comfort zone, these are the moments that often change us the most, shaped us the most. When we look back in our life, these are the highlights, the moments that we did hard things instead of going for that lowest minimum requirement. A few examples from my life come to mind, one of which may seem very obvious, especially for those of you who have done these yourself. What comes to mind is mission trips. Yeah, I remember when I was 18 and my church was doing a missions trip in Honduras. I had never been in that area of the country. I've never left the country without my family. Uh, the thought of going and working in, you know, 95 degree heat with high humidity for, you know, 10 hours a day in an area where you could get malaria, you could get all sorts of, you had to get shots before you went on the trip because of all sorts of, uh, you know, things you could get in that country. You couldn't drink the water. You couldn't even brush your teeth with the water, at least swallow it. Some people did, but, you know, you can't swallow the water because the parasites in the water would make you sick. So for me, again, it was, you talk about getting out of your comfort zone. I was, had a lot of anxiety about things, especially the food, man. I'm not, uh, I've been called a picky eater. And so, you know, going to a, a international destination, a foreign country, a third world country, and just thinking about all the things that could be in the food and all the things that here in America we take for granted, the, um, you know, the cleanliness and the things that they have to do legally to keep the food safe isn't maybe there in this country. And so there are many things that I think of when I went on a few, I went on two missions trips before I became a youth pastor. And then over the course of 18, 20 years of ministry, took students all over the world, you know, all sorts of destinations. Each time it was a ton of work and a lot of stress and anxiety thinking about not just yourself going to a foreign nation, but thinking about 10 to 15 to 20 kids, taking parents, little precious kids to a foreign country. You talk about stress. You talk about getting out of your, your comfort zone as a leader and for those students. But, and here's why we do it, there is nothing like a missions trip. There is nothing like getting out of America, going to a third world country, and feeding people who are hungry, clothing people who don't have access to new shoes and new clothes, who are so impoverished that the meal you feed them that day is often the only meal that they have that entire day to see widows and orphans to see five to six people living in a house that is literally the size probably of your bedroom i mean the the way that shapes you and and redirects your faith because we take so much for granted again living in the states that when you go to a third world country it really brings uh, stirs up a lot of things. And so it is powerful. It's powerful for your faith to see people in a different tongue worshiping God, to see people uh, living in a different way, and just the smiles on their faces, the kids and the adults, and you just think, oh my gosh, like why am I complaining in my life over the latest material thing that I haven't gotten? And these people are joy-filled with so much less. I mean, it's just, it was it was hugely transformative for me. And I encourage you, I think it's, I've said it consistently, man, if you're a believer for any length of time, get on a missions trip, go to a third world country. I think it's something I recommend for every single Christian to at least do once in your life. 
Uh, second thing that comes to mind when I think about stepping out of my comfort zone was moving to Oregon when I was 24 years old. I took my first full-time youth pastor job in the state of Oregon in Portland. And man, you talk about a stretching experience. I had no relatives, no friends uh, out there. And I just got in my Chevy Blazer, me and my dad, and we headed west for our 2,500 mile uh, mile trip to Oregon. And man, was that a tear-filled adventure, breaking my mom's heart, leaving her home for the first time. And in uh, in my life and just stepping out and just experiencing that. And I lived out there seven years. And I have to tell you, it was extremely hard those first you know few weeks sleeping alone and being in a community where I didn't know very many people. But over time, the seven years that I lived there, I met so many wonderful people and had so many new experiences, visiting new places. I used to say like every weekend felt like a vacation because everywhere I drove, I had never been there before. I'm learning about new historical places and I'm, you know, hiking and I'm experiencing the beach and the mountains and just so many different new things. And the ministry that I was able to lead out there and just so many fond memories come to mind, it would have never happened. These mission trip experiences, this moving to Oregon wouldn't have happened if I didn't step out of my comfort zone, do something that was hard, do something I'd never done before. And it's it's incredible when you think about it from that perspective. But I also want to say it doesn't have to be only the big stuff. Like typically we hear in church messages and even on this podcast today, we think, okay, Kurt, mission trips, moving out of state. Like those are big, unrelatable things. Like we don't do many of those things over the course of our life. But I want to just end by highlighting uh, another chapter in the book, which is all about doing hard, small things. So again, thinking about small decisions, small things that are in our life that seem hard in the moment versus the big ones like moving or a missions trip. So let me read this story from page 132 in the book. In the classic novel, Captain's Courageous, 15-year-old Harvey Cheyenne, the son of a wealthy railroad tycoon, is washed overboard from a transatlantic steamship and rescued by fishermen. Cold, wet, and forgotten for the first time in his spoiled existence, Harvey at first tries to convince the fishermen of his parents' great wealth. He wants them to abandon their fishing season and take him ashore where he promises his father will reward them generously. But his pleas don't work. In the end, he's forced to earn his keep by mending nets and gutting fish. At first, Harvey can't believe his bad luck. The back-breaking work, the long hours, the stench, and the cold and wet disgust and overwhelm him. But over time, Harvey mysteriously changes. His body toughens. He learns to use his hands and his head to perform the tasks and weather the trials of fishing on an open sea. He begins to actually enjoy the hardships and to admire the strength and intelligence of his new companions. When the boat finally returns to port, Harvey wires his parents, who rush into the small town. Amazed, they find a transformed son. Their lazy, demanding boy has become an industrious, serious, and considerate young man. No longer needing or wanting his mother's constant doting, Harvey is ready to start a successful career in the father's shipping lines. It really cannot be overstated how powerful 
the cumulative effect of the small choices we make every day. They quite literally are creating our future. I mean, those little choices, those little things, what we choose to do in every single day affects, creates our future. A few examples, again, from my life that come to mind, just small decisions, seemingly small decisions that had a transformative effect, literally changing the trajectory of my life. First comes to mind when uh, a now friend of mine, a spiritual hero, Nelly invited me to check out the student ministry, the middle school ministry. Back when I was just a 17-year-old punk attending church, she was a friend of a friend and said, hey, come come check out our middle school ministry. And I was like, little kids, like 11, 12-year-olds? Like, I didn't have any younger siblings. I had no interest in working with that age group. And yet, because of the smile on her face, I often tell her, I said, yes, I'll come and check out the middle school ministry. And the rest is history. Now that decision, one decision just to show up as a volunteer and see what it was like, ended up in me changing course and going into student ministry as a career and then working at the church that I checked out that student ministry at and then, again, going on to Oregon and starting my first full-time job, all because of that smile and that invite. I think about going to my first yoga class I hadn't done yoga, right? Like this is probably 10 years ago now. I'd never done yoga and the thought of putting on spandex or whatever, you know, the male version of, you know, women yoga pants, like finding out that I could just wear shorts was like a thing, right? But I just remember again going so many guys, right? It's a man thing, but I think women probably can relate to it as well. Just stepping into that room, what's it going to be like? You know, what if I fart? What if uh, something in the room distracts me? You know, is it going to be too busy? Is there, are we going to be too close to each other? Like there was all these questions. And finally, I just bit the bullet and went to my first yoga class. And now 10 years later, I'm comfortable with most yoga class. I mean, there's definitely some like the hot yoga. You guys are crazy doing that 100 degree yoga or whatever, sweating it off. You know, there's certain situations I would probably still be uncomfortable in, but hey, getting into a yoga class for the first time started me on this path of finding the value of of yoga, both physically and mentally. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I think of my first time shooting a gun. You know, in my adult life, getting back into shooting a gun was uncomfortable, was a hard thing, was something that I had fear connected to. And a a good friend of mine, literally for three months, one summer, spent time investing and training, uh, teaching me, making me comfortable holding and shooting a firearm so that now, fast forward, I own uh, three guns and I feel proficient and I feel much more confident in my home that I can protect myself and my property, my family, because I know and have been trained how to use a gun. But that took the first step, the first time trying it out, making that decision. Uh, A few years back, I took an acting class. I wanted to improve my speaking as a youth pastor and kind of move in a different direction. And so I had heard that taking an acting class would be helpful for that. So I took an eight-week expensive, intensive acting class at a local theater that you talk about stepping out of your comfort zone with a bunch of adults 
Like there's few things that scare people more than getting on a stage and speaking or acting. So that was, wow, that was stepping into an uncomfortable area. And then my last one, which might seem like a, a really small example, but I think, again, it's helpful to understand just how taking a small step can literally create relationships and change things in your life. Uh, I think of my buddy Adam Peake, who is our, our podcast sponsor. You just heard his commercial before the uh, faith section here. I was attending my church that I currently attend now. I'd kind of come back in after moving back to Michigan and kind of making some new connections as an adult. And so I went to a class to, um, you kind of had this requirement to lead a small group. You had to go to this class and kind of learn some principles. And then at the end of the class, they were going to start kind of assigning small groups and areas and different locations. And I didn't have a co-leader. I'm again, a single person, so I don't have a wife even to support me in leading a small group. So it's wise to find a co-leader to kind of share leadership with. And so I'm sitting next to a guy and I realized this guy to my left uh, didn't have a co-leader either. So I took the hard step, the uncomfortable step. Maybe for some of you that's not hard. You're kind of like rolling your eyes. But for me to just ask somebody I'd never met before, hey, do you want to co-lead this small group with me? Um, that was hard. That was a small decision, but it was still a hard one. It was uncomfortable. And thankfully, Adam uh, said yes. And we led a small group together, a small men's group. And then uh, from there, we've become friends and now have been friends for, gosh, going on 10 years now, nine years. And uh, he's my podcast sponsor. He's one of my biggest supporters when it comes to uh, this podcast. And all of that wouldn't have happened if I didn't just say, hey, Adam, you want to you wanna start a small group? Like that to me, when you think back in your life, it's as easy and as hard as making those small decisions. So as I begin to wrap this up today, what has come to mind while I've been talking? Maybe something that you've been avoiding that you realize you should be doing. Maybe... You know, just God is kind of nudging you in a direction to think about, again, a relationship or going on a trip or moving in a new career direction, taking a small step in that direction. What small decisions could you begin making today to get on a different path towards a better future? Again, maybe maybe it's big things. Maybe this is stirring up like a confirmation of like, yeah, Kurt's nailing something God was already nudging me towards, a big thing, a big change, a big hard thing in my life. Or maybe it's for often, for many of us, it's these small decisions. It's just small things. Whatever the case, I want to share with you an encouraging passage, a familiar passage for most of us from uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me just in this moment? Heavenly Father God, thank you for challenging us to do hard things. For reminding us of the Christian value of courage of taking risks, of stepping out into the unknown, of getting uncomfortable. Father, I pray for those listening to the sound of my voice. I pray for myself 
that we would be courageous. God, that you would not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of courage, that we would be willing to step up and step in when others just don't, when it would be far more easier to stay on the couch or to stay in our home, in our neighborhood. God, I pray that you would call us to take steps, and it may be small steps like across the street, or it it may be larger steps like across the world. But God, whatever you're calling us to, I pray that it would be clear. That's, that's the challenge for me, Lord, even in the season that I'm in right now, is just to know it's your voice, to know that you're nudging me in a specific direction. I pray selfishly that you'd make it clear to each of us what you want us to do, the big things and the little things, God. And secondly, I pray that you'd give us the courage to step out. It's not just knowing, it's obeying, it's stepping into it. And so, Lord, I just pray for the courage. I pray for the mental strength, the emotional strength. God, even to be willing to lose friends and family, to um, be made fun of or to be persecuted for making that decision, God. I pray that we would have the courage to still step towards whatever you're calling us to. And let us know, God, remind us that the fulfillment of pleasing you, of hearing at the end of our life. We may not hear it, you know, once we make that step a month later. It might not until, it might not be until our last day where we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, let that be uh, in our minds as well, that the future can be better than the past. And I pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, that is a wrap for this episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation over on our Reddit. Also, like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. And as always, we'll see you in the next one.